Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning, Cross Point Community Church. My friends, it is so good to see you here this morning, all of you. Some who have never been here, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, many that have been gone for some time or been traveling, it's good to have you back. All of you regular attenders, it is good to have you. Um, and right now, I'm going to take this opportunity to dismiss all first through third graders that would like to head up with Mr. Hank up to the second floor. Um, you are welcome to head out right now. While they are heading out, I'm going to kind of make an appeal to all of us here today, the entire congregation. Would you pray? Uh, this is not just some uh, cool Jerusalem marketplace thing that we decided to put up here on Sunday morning. This is launching us into a week of Bible studies for our kids called Vacation Bible School. There's going to be a, a bunch of kids here this week that are going to learn more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to implore you, I want to compel you, encourage you, any way I could say it, to pray God's grace for this group of young ones. Oh, the potential, when they come together and you see this group of young ones learning, the potential for Jesus Christ in all of these young ones to shine the bright light of Christ in this world. So, would you commit, I know there's several here that are going to be faithful in serving this week through teaching, um, would you commit to pray for both the teachers and the kids that will be part of this this week? I want to invite all of you this morning to take your Bibles, God's Holy Word, the all-sufficient scriptures, and would you go with me please to Colossians chapter 3. As you've already noticed, we've taken a bit of a break from our Roman study. Uh, we are on the last study of um, this sort of, I don't know how to say it, sort of like a timeout in our journey. <laughs> We're taking some time for a very practical, pastoral encouragement to the body of Christ. One of the main ways that we can be an encouragement as an elder team is that we encourage unity in the body of Christ, that we encourage steadfastness, that we encourage uh, exactly what Paul says in Ephesians 4, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, that we fight for this. And so for this last month, we've been just talking about practical areas that could potentially rise up in the body of Christ and cause contention. Um, and this is, well, I've said this several times the last couple weeks, this is, by God's grace, setting the foundation for the next five 10, 15, 20, however long years that God has at Cross Point Community Church that we have a reference point. If, and actually it's probably not a matter of if, when differences rise up in the body and have the temptation to be contentious, we can go right back to the scriptures because we've processed this. We've understood some of these concepts. We've categorized some of these differences in the body of Christ. And so I hope that this has been a blessing to you as it's been to my, myself. Um, I, thank you for the words of encouragement. Several of you have, have texted me or emailed me and, and shared your appreciation for this study. Well, hopefully that's the same at the end of today. <laughs> now, we have a fun one today. 
All right, so our goal is this, and I hope you're, you're hanging on to this. This is a kind of our key truth that's launching us into this study. It is this. All believers should carefully evaluate how they handle differences in the body of Christ. Yes, you, my friend. How do you approach differences in the body of Christ? How do you handle it when you come to church and you know that person sitting across the room from you doesn't think the same way you do in certain areas? What do you do? Well, we've sort of set the stage with this. This is our goal. Here they are, four goals we have when we approach this discussion. Number one, what do we do? We pray God's grace. We talked of this for a couple weeks now. When there are differences in the church, we pray God's grace for charity, for humility, for discernment. Then what do we do? As we're praying, we open God's holy word and we go to God's word. God's word is the all-sufficient guide for all areas that we need here at Cross Point Community Church. We run to God's word. We hold to God's word. And then as we're deep into this the last two or three weeks, number three and number four, we identify the nature of the difference. As you can see on the back of your handout, not all differences are the same. Identifying these differences and then by God's grace responding biblically to these differences. So far, if you remember... By way of quick review, we've talked about theological differences in the church and lifestyle differences. These would be the two primary differences that you might find when you would come to a church. Theological differences were matters of doctrine. These are things we've already talked about. I'm not going to go back and, and reteach this. But there are definitely ways we handle certain things differently when it comes to theological matters. Then, as we've talked about the last two weeks... Lifestyle differences. Lifestyle choices clearly restricted in God's word as matters of obedience and disobedience. And then lifestyle choices not clearly restricted in God's word. These would be matters of conscience or preference. And I would, I would, I would encourage you, if you missed the last couple weeks, go back and tap into those, whether online uh, or on the, website, well, on the website or on YouTube wherever you need to go to find uh, those discussions. Well, these two being the primary differences in the church, there's another discussion to be had. What happens, and you know we're setting this up, when you agree across the board in theology with a brother or sister in Christ? Okay, we're talking about the foundational theologies, the functional theologies, and the supportive doctrines. I mean, you're, you're on the same page. Maybe one minute point is different uh, on the supportive doctrine areas, not the core doctrine area. But across the board, you are, you're engaged. And even the lifestyle choices. These are friends of yours. And man, you're in line with obeying God's word. You and your families. You're in line with obeying God's word. And even in, in most, if not all, of the preference issues, you're, you're falling in line with these Christian liberty issues. They're a sweet, close fellowship. 
there's people in the body that you see eye to eye with. You would, it's what you would might call someone of a kindred spirit. But then, you interact with this person. And if we could be honest, they annoy the snot out of you. <laughs> Their personality. You can only stand about not even a minute with this person. Because it starts going like this right away. And you have to swallow those words. And you have to do your best not to explode. Because yes, we agree theologically. Yes, we agree lifestyle choices. But man, you annoy me. You know what I'm talking about. We can be real here today. Because we're a family. This is known as the family of God. This is known as a place where God has brought together people of different personalities. What we're talking about is different dispositions, different mannerism, different personality quirks. That is the body of Christ. So then, my friends, what do we do with these personality difference? So when we think about theological difference, matters of doctrine, we're thinking about lifestyle difference, matters of obedience or disobedience, matters of conscience or preference. Personality differences are matters of just annoyance. <laughs> Irritation. Differences in personality are huge. Okay, if we were to go back to our house illustrating. You remember this house illustration? We spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks looking at this ridiculous house. Well, but we're not talking about the, the framework that makes this house stand. We're not necessarily even talking about the behaviors that happen inside this house. What are we talking about today? We're talking about mannerisms of those inside the house. We're talking about the dispositions, the temperaments. Please understand, I'm not going to dig deep into the technical matters of personality. Some of you here love that stuff. You've taken Meyer, was it Meyer Briggs? How many of you have taken that personality test? Anybody here? Raise your hand a little higher. I, I really am curious. Okay, you've taken this. You love it. <laughs> Maybe you've taken it 10, 15, 20 times. Because you want to check your personality. and You want to check the people around you's personality. There's another one. There's several of these personality tests. I snick tests, and what are they testing when you go to this test? They're testing whether you are an introvert or an extrovert. You understand what I'm talking about. I looked into that test a little bit this week, and they really categorize it based on that. I mean, the, the other one, the Myers-Briggs, been around a long time. We're talking about if you've been a, if you're a sanguine or a melancholy or a phlegmatic or a choleric. Any of those terms familiar? Some of you are like, nope, <laughs> he's speaking in tongues up there. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, there's differences in personality, and the world around us knows it, and even, even Christians can identify it. I, rem I know of staffs that will do these tests with their staff to learn how to get along. It's appropriate things. Now, I'm not here today to dial in on all the details. As excited as you are about Pastor Andrew getting into all the details of personality, I'm not. 
we're going to speak in a very general sense of personalities. If you wonder how this is different in the body of Christ, think of this. This is a test. Not one of those, but a different test. What would you do if your small group leader came to you and said, hey, listen, um, next week we have life group. Would you teach for 15 to 20 minutes? What would you do? I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a, a load of different responses in here. Probably, probably some of you would freeze on the spot. You'd be stuck at church for the next 30 minutes with this lump in your stomach thinking, I can't even hardly share my name at a life group, let alone talk for 20 minutes. There's others here that'll be like, you know, my, my life is way too boring. My mind doesn't con- comprehend all this stuff. I could maybe do five minutes. Then you know it that there's some in the body of Christ here that are like, oh, 15, 20 minutes. How about four weeks and five handouts? I got it. You understand what I'm talking about. There are different personalities here, different approaches to ministry. If you doubt that, then think about this. Okay, that same Bible study where this person was asked to share for 15 or 20 minutes. And you know who that person is. They just rub you wrong. You can't listen to this person for 20 minutes. Well, sure, they're a godly person. They've dotted all their I's, crossed all their T's theologically. But man, if I have to endure listening to this person for 15 minutes... I'm going to go home in tears. You know what we're talking about. So right there, we identified there's differences of personality in how we teach, differences of personality in if we teach, differences of personality in who we listen to. Do you understand where we're at in the body of Christ? There are and will be differences in the body of Christ. Why? Because the simple fact is people are different. People process things differently. They take in information differently. They approach situations and discussions differently. They react to tension and pressure differently. People are uniquely, inherently, naturally not all the same in the body of Christ. So what do we do? This question If we are to run to the Bible, this is our goal. Remember, we pray, then we go to the Bible. Right now you're saying, okay, does it discuss personality differences in the Bible? You know the way your mind's going right now. Where are you going to go, pastor? (laughs) What passage are you going to, Mr. Chapter and Verse? (laughs) I don't mean to burst your bubble significantly, but directly you're not going to really find all of these personality differences addressed in the scripture however indirectly through what is known as narrative form that means the story of the bible you are going to find all through the scriptures that people handle situations differently okay if you doubt this in our minds let's just Let's just think about the Old Testament. And if you want to dial even further, think about siblings in the Old Testament. That's a fun one. Think about the difference between Cain and Abel. 
The way they process information, the way they approached worship of God, how much differently that happened. Obviously, one was a heart issue, which probably that's what you're saying about your friend sitting across the room right now. The one that really bothers you. It's a heart issue. But what about Jacob and Esau? Differences. What about David and his brothers? What about Joseph and his brothers? I mean, you read through any of these narratives, especially the book of Genesis, you're going to find over and over again how different people respond differently to different situations. Actually, the same situation. They respond differently to the same situation. Think about the prophets. I love talking about the different personalities of the prophets. I love thinking about Isaiah. And then talking about the weeping prophet Jeremiah. Thinking about Ezekiel. Okay, here's a fun one. Think about Elisha versus Elijah. The way they process things differently. If you want to run to the New Testament, what are we talking about? I mean, you don't have to go far before you find out that the disciples of Jesus Christ in the Gospels were drastically different. How did Philip respond to certain situations? He responded drastically different than a Peter. And then you have a tax collector, Matthew, who's going to respond drastically different than a zealot. Do you understand where we're at here in the scriptures? There are differences. Jesus dealt with personality differences in his 12 disciples. If you want to go beyond that, think about the establishment of the New Testament church. This is a fun one. Think about the different personalities God used. We're talking about a Paul versus a Barnabas. You already know the contention that came strongly in that relationship temporarily. Differences of personality. If you think about, even beyond that, think about how a Luke would process information differently than a Silas would uh, process information. If you want to think of it even beyond that, think about how a Timothy, one of the sons of Paul in the faith, he processed things differently. He had a serious fear of man. How he would process things differently than a Titus, another son of the faith for Paul. You get where we're going here. There are differences in the body of Christ. So even though you don't find a direct teaching on personality differences in the Bible, through narrative form, as you unfold the scriptures, you see it happening all over the place. I believe every church written to in the New Testament was full of people with different personalities, different dispositions, different mannerisms, and I believe the apostles who wrote these words through inspiration of the Holy Spirit knew that very well. If you doubt that this afternoon, read through the book of Philippians. We could go to any number, and that's kind of a longer introduction to where we're going today, but hold on. We can go to any number of these epistles, I believe, in the New Testament to give us directives on how to handle... uh, differences of personality in the body right now your mind might even be going to the book of first corinthians wow the difference of the church of corinth how does paul direct this well 
if you want to run to 1 Corinthians 13, here's some really good directives. Love. <laughs> love. Live the love of Christ. We're going to go to one, though, that's not as well-known. We're going to run this morning to Colossians chapter 3. Would you, if you're not there now, it's been on your lap for 20 minutes now, would you go to Colossians chapter 3? And I want us to think about these personality differences in the body. Uh, if you want a good indication, I'm not going to go set the whole context of Colossians. Uh, that's already kind of been said on our Wednesday night studies. By the way, there will be no Wednesday night study this week through VBS. But we set this stage in Colossians. The preeminence of Jesus Christ made practical in, the daily lifestyle, in our daily lifestyles. What does a supreme Jesus look like with the choices I make? Well, you find this in Colossians chapter 3. And I love this, though. If you would actually go to verse 11. I don't have it on the screen. Look with me at verse 11. This sets the stage. That through the gospel, all kinds of different people are brought together. Here's verse 11. Paul says, through the inspiration of the Spirit, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. He has just set the stage that there's all kinds of different backgrounds in the body of Christ. All kinds of different perspectives and how we handle different things. But then if you look with me at verse 13, we're going to kind of pull out a phrase that sort of sets the, the mood here. Verse 13 says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another. There it is. Why do we run to Colossians chapter 3? Because very clearly this mood has been set that within the group, there's going to be complaints. There's going to be differences. So this morning, understanding that, let us just read a couple of these verses. Let's start in verse 12 and read through verse 17 today as we find some very practical directives of how we deal with differences, personality differences in our discussion today. Verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, Humility, meekness, patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Verse 14, above all, and above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell, or remain in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, 
In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right. What did we just read? My friends, I believe we just interacted with some very, very, very clear directives on how to function in the church with those who are not easy to function with. Granted, this is, doesn't directly address personality differences, but I believe in a very practical way we can find seven helpful directives for working through any differences, even personality differences. So what let's do is just work through these seven this morning for the remainder of our time. Seven directives from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul and helping us work through these differences in the body, starting with number one. How must we handle these things as a body of Christ? We must handle them with sincere humility. It's not hidden. In fact, almost any word that you can think of to describe humility is mentioned in verse 12. Here it is. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's describing who you are. Here's what you're to put on. By God's grace, put on compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So, my friends, when that person comes... You know the person that's coming to your mind right now. I'm sorry. When that person who's on your mind right now comes to church and shows up at the same Bible study as you, what do you do? My friend, you put on the humility of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Clear in this text. Notice this is not, or this is for Christians who are reminded that in the church they are all God's chosen people. Think of this. This is so important to this text. In the body of Christ, those who have come to Christ in saving faith. Listen, we're a group of Jesus' people. This is God's people. So when you have contention with the person across from you who you know has come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, have expressed the fruits of the Spirit in their life, listen, they are God's person. They're not intended to be in your prison because they are God's person. They're a Jesus person. That's very important, and he starts this whole discussion with this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, so you have been loved, you have been made holy, you have been called out by God to be His person. Now how do we act? In humility of mind. And this goes so well together because what, what did you do? What did I do to earn God's favor? My friends, we did absolutely nothing. It is all of God's grace. You, you hear this every Sunday from this pulpit, that our relationship from God, with God is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You cannot impress this God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, then, obviously, according to this passage, this is not something to take lightly. We are interacting with a group of people here that are Jesus' people. They're not just someone who you see differently with. They are a Jesus person. 
so then we approach this with sincere humility. Why the word sincere? <laughs> you know. You know what it's like, though, because it's easy to put on that smile, is it not? You can kind of get along in this smug way. Knowing in the depths of your heart, I really hope I don't see this person. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're coming in the same door, somehow you're going to exit different doors. That's, that's just how it works. Well, why the word sin sincere? Because this type of humility is not fake, my friends. This is not a show. This is genuinely right-sizing God, right-sizing your brother, and right-sizing ourselves. We are simpler, simply sinners saved by God's amazing grace, fellowshipping, fellowshipping with other sinners saved by God's amazing grace. So we approach this with sincere humility. I think the sincerity part of this comes out with that phrase, compassionate hearts. Where is this humility born out of? A changed heart. This is so good. And if you take this even as into our, our Roman study that we've been talking about, you might show expressions of kindness as an unregenerate person, but you can never, never truly live out this type of love without the change that the Holy Spirit will do in your heart. This only comes from the change of a new heart. So we've been made holy, we've been beloved by God, been given compassionate hearts. And so now, because we've been given compassionate hearts, we are to live out compassionate hearts. This is genuine care from a heart that has been changed, from a heart that flows genuine kindness and meekness and patience. By the way, again, tell me something. Is, is this the norm in the world we live in? No. Is it the norm to go into anywhere in this community or any community you see and to live out selfless humility? No, the world we live in is this dog-eat-dog, put-me-number-one mentality. Do whatever it takes to survive and throw anybody and everybody under the bus on the way. Honestly, that's, that's the type of world that we live in. Not that there aren't occasional differences to that mentality, but that comes deeply rooted in the unregenerate heart. This week, my mind kept running, as yours might be right now. Anytime you talk of humility, two passages, anytime I talk of it, come to my mind. One is John chapter 13. Remember what happens in John 13? Jesus, prior to going to the cross, what did he do? laid aside his garments, took a basin, and started washing his disciples' feet. And what are the clear directives after he does this? Because they're in shock. Even Peter says, you can't do that. What did Jesus says, say? As I have done for you, you need to also do. Live as a servant. We might remind ourselves that Jesus was washing Judas' feet and Peter's feet, and Philip's feet. He's washing all of their feet. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And at the end of John chapter 13, he says, By this shall all men know that you're my disciple, if you love one another. 
My friend, that text is in Scripture. Same with the text Philippians 2. Maybe your mind is run into Philippians chapter 2 where Paul very clearly states that Jesus Christ came in humility. Now we are to embrace the same humble mindset. And what is that mindset? To prefer other people above ourselves. So anytime we enter into this discussion on differences, even in personalities, we need to remember that we're called to live out the humility of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's go to the next one. We must handle personality differences not only with sincere humility. Here's another one. With a resolve to continual forbearance. Would you look with me at verse 13? This phrase, bearing with one another. How many times, honestly, how many times in, in going through Colossians have you run through that phrase? Why? Because the last part of the verse, it talks about forgiveness. So we want to talk about forgiveness. What about the first part of this verse? Bearing with one another. You know what the word bearing with one another means? Okay, we're not going to make this overly complicated. It means to put up with each other. <laughs> That's what it means. It means to tolerate each other. And we're not talking about a compromise of truth. We've already dealt with that in the last couple of weeks. We're talking about other areas of personality and quirks and, and dispositions. What are we to do when there's annoyances in the body of Christ, my friends? What do we do? The Bible says we tolerate each other. We bear each other up. This isn't some fake toleration. This comes from a genuine heart of love, as clearly directed in this text. Whether we like it or not, this is in our Bibles. There's a lot of phones going today, aren't there? <laughs> there are some in the church that may not, that you may not naturally like to hang out with or appreciate their approach. But my friends, according to the scripture, we are to lovingly, faithfully bear with them in unity. All right, let's go to the next one. It's awful quiet in here. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. Here it goes. We must handle personality differences, number three, with a readiness to forgive. This comes in the same verse, verse 13. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. And what's the directive? What's the support to this? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So how do we handle differences of the body? Even when that difference becomes offensive we handle it with a readiness to forgive forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive this word forgiveness in the new testament comes from the same root word as another word and that is the word grace why, why is that so important what is grace it's something you can't earn it's favor that you cannot earn. And my friends, this works perfectly in the discussion on forgiveness. Why? Because even if they don't deserve that you forgive them, it is a gift of grace to them. And what is the whole backing of this whole discussion? As Christ forgave you, so you must also forgive. Man, my friends, practically, this is not comfortable. This leaves that door of vulnerability completely open. When that knucklehead keeps spouting off his mouth, 
forgive him? When that know-it-all keeps interrupting and placing herself in every conversation of mine, forgive him, her? My friends, according to the scripture, what is our biblical responsibility? Not looking for an opportunity to put someone in our prison of resentment. But be willing and ready to forgive. Some of you in this room know the story of Corey Ten Boom. Have you ever heard of her? Oh, man. The story makes your heart melt. I love what she says. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door of resentment. Let's move on to another one. So we must handle personality differences with sincere humility, continual forbearance, a readiness to forgive. Now, dead center in this entire discussion, I believe, is the primary. Here it is. A commitment to sacrificial love. What does Paul say in verse 14? And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is so good. I believe the balancing statement of this entire passage is live the sacrificial love of Christ. Why is this the balancing statement? Because as you're going through these previous ones, you've got someone on one side who might know they're difficult to get along with. Seriously. man, And they're blaming it on their personality. You know what I'm talking about. So just get along with me and just deal with my personality. What's going to keep them in line? What is going to keep them headed in the right direction in the body of Christ? Because you're going through the first couple ones of these, and they're like, yeah, you need to get along with me. Yeah, it's on your shoulders. Okay, then you go to the sacrificial love, and it says, no, no, this is a directive for all of us. 1 Corinthians 13 clearly says, love does not behave itself rudely. So what is the directive in this discussion of personalities? Is the sacrificial love of Christ, not I'm stepping over everybody. I've got this. Get out of my way. This train is running. That is not the mind of Christ. When we deal with personality differences, what's the directive for all of us? To the person, this rude person, behaving rudely, the answer is love, like Christ loved. To the hurt person who's becoming bitter, What is the answer? Love, like Christ's love. That is why this verse is so important. Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Again, if you doubt this, run to 1 Corinthians 13. The sacrificial love, this sacrificial love, is truly the glue that binds the body of Christ together. I love what Christ says again after he washed his disciples' feet. If people are going to know anything about you or me, let them know that you love. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. This is the glue, my friends, through personality differences. By the way, let's just talk practically. Does sacrificial love mean that you never call an annoyance an annoyance? Absolutely not. Does sacrificial love mean that you never inform a brother or sister in Christ of their blind spots or their rudeness? No. That's why I love. In Ephesians 4, where Paul says, you eagerly, like you fight for the unity of the peace, the bond of the Spirit. 
You fight for this. this is, you're eager to maintain this. In the very same chapter, he says, speak the truth in love. So there are times when you need to, in a very gracious, kind way, speak the truth to the person that thinks their train can run over anybody. You understand what we're saying? Speaking the truth in love. We must handle personality differences with a commitment to sacrificial love. Let's go to the next one. Or it will be done soon. We must handle personality differences with sincere humility, with continual forbearance, a readiness to forgive, a commitment to sacrificial love, and then with a submission to Christ's unifying peace. I absolutely love how Paul, through the Spirit, describes this peace. Here it is. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you have been called in one body. All right, so when you look at a text like this, there's different words that you'll interact with that give you directives. Some of them are participles, and the participles actually build a lot of times around the direct imperatives. These are the direct commands. I'm going to tell you, one of the direct commands in this passage is this. Let the peace of Christ rule. This isn't just if it's optional. You know, do it if you feel like it. No, this is a directive that is an, an imperative. Let it rule. In other words, it must rule. Make it rule. When I think of this, my mind goes to Matthew chapter 5, where Christ on the Sermon on the Mount says, Blessed are the peacemakers. This is the peace that Jesus Christ is talking about. This is great because you don't excuse sin on account of being a peacemaker, but you do whatever you can to submit yourself to the peace of Christ, just like Christ did. Uh, in Romans, in just, well, sometime here in the near future, <laughs> we're going to get to Romans 12. Oh, what a great passage of scripture when it comes to application of our salvation. Listen to what Roman, Paul says in Romans 12. I love verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. My friends, what if we approach the body of Christ every single day like that? Everything I can possibly do to keep the peace of the body of Christ, I will do it. Not compromising. But everything and anything I can possibly do to keep this unity happening, I will do it. Because that is the command of Scripture. Let the peace of Christ rule. In other words, submit yourself to the peace of God. With that brother or sister in Christ whose personality just rubs you wrongly, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Let's go to the next one. Two more. We must handle personality differences with genuine gratitude. Would you notice with me, and I'm just going to quickly mention these and move on. In verses 15, 16, and 17, how Paul focuses on gratitude. This is, this is dynamic. Because what's the temptation when, when someone has a personality difference in the body of Christ? It's to point your finger and to complain, right? 
They're like, come on, what's your problem, man? Just get your act together. Come to church and get along. And, and, and you know, they, they do have right directives. But it's just a personality thing. You're just like, man, what's wrong? Well, this gives us clear directives of a part, as far as our approach. What does it say? Look with me at the end of verse 15. And be thankful. Look with me at verse 16. With thankfulness into your, in your heart to God you worship. Verse 17. Give thanks to God the Father through Him. What is the very clear point? As you deal with differences, stop complaining and be thankful. In a practical sense. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to complain about someone you've just thanked God for? (laughs) Thank you, God, for my brother and sister in Christ, that they've come to you in saving faith, that they're living out their faith in this community. Man, I can't stand that person. (laughs) You ever tried that? doesn't work so well. Again, this is not some superficial uh, gratitude that's skin deep. No, verse 16 is, it is with thanksgiving in your where? Hearts to the Lord. You're thankful in the core of your being for this person who is also a sinner saved by God's grace. All right, let's go to another one. We must handle personality differences with a resolve to worship Jesus together. Would you look with me at verse 16? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And how are you going to do this? By the way, how do you teach and admonish in a very practical way in the body of Christ? You sing to each other. Sure, you're singing to God, but you also sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, teaching each other with these songs. All right, the end of verse 16 says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I absolutely love this because my brothers and sisters in Christ, why do we come together? Why do we gather corporately? I mean, this is an overflow. This is what we call an overflow of worship that's to happen all week long. Individual worship is to happen all week long. And when we come together, whether it's at Sunday morning at 10.15 or in life groups through the week, we come together as an overflow of expression to worship to the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's all about Him. Not to measure my giftings against yours. Not to strut my stuff. Not to prove my worth. We come together to worship King Jesus. Again, have Have you ever noticed how hard it is to wholeheartedly sing a song of worship when you're bothered at someone at church? Seriously. You ever tried that? Come in and you know that person's over there singing to the Lord, raising their hands, which in fact is biblical as well. You're singing and they're singing and you look over there and you're like, oh, you turkey. (laughs) You know what what I'm talking about. It's hard to worship together with someone you're mad at or you're bothered with. That's why when we come together, my brothers and sisters, we come together realizing we're not worshiping each other. We're worshiping King Jesus. That is the focus of our gathering. So when we are tempted to obsess about the ridiculousness 
of our brother and sister in Christ and their disposition and their mannerisms, please, my friends, let us look to Jesus and let us never, ever, ever, ever stop looking to Jesus. We are in Christ. He has brought us together. So let us worship Him wholeheartedly. So what? Finally, we're going to be done with this study, Pastor Andrew. <laughs> Differences in the body of Christ. Well, in a very practical way, and I almost didn't even work through this side of things, because you can go to any number of New Testament passages and give you directives on dis- d- differences. But how do you, my friend, handle personality differences in the body? And will you handle personality differences biblically? What are we talking about? My friend, will you, will you, not the person over there, but will you handle these differences with sincere humility? Will you handle these differences with continual forbearance? Will you handle these personality differences in the body of Christ with a readiness to forgive any offense? Will you handle these differences in the body with a commitment to the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ, which includes both not becoming offended and not being an offense? Would you handle differences in the body with a submission to Christ's peace in the body? Will you handle differences in the body of Christ with genuine gratitude for your brothers and sisters in Christ? And will you handle Differences in the body of Christ with resolve to worship Jesus together till Jesus returns. O oh, church, by God's grace, let us live this way. I don't, I'll close with this. There's some of you here today, and some of this makes sense, but not all of it. I talked throughout this entire sermon of one person, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the, went, the one who went to the cross to pay for our sins and make this happen. It's his body. It's the body of Christ. Maybe some of this made sense to you, but maybe not all. And if I could summarize it into four statements. Statement number one. This is the story of the Bible. God sovereignly created all life. Statement number two, through Adam, man selfishly rebelled against God and was condemned to death. Statement number three, through the cross, Christ selflessly paid for man's sin debt, my friend. That includes yours and mine. He paid for your debt and mine on the cross of Calvary. And statement number four, through the resurrection, God has graciously provided new life for those who trust in him. Oh, my friend, would you come to Jesus Christ in saving faith today? Would you place your trust in the one who went to the cross on your account? By faith, would you watch as Christ transforms your life from the inside out, just like is the goal of every single one of us in this room here today. So God, we thank you for your word, how appropriate it is in very practical matters. I thank you for this text of scripture that talks about the temptation to complain against each other. It talks about how we're brought together from all kinds of different backgrounds. God, I I pray that just like you have shown us 
in the Lord's Supper and communion, that when we come together, it would be in unity, the unity of the cross of Calvary. Lord, we launched this study at our time of communion last month. We've talked of this for the last five weeks. And our prayer is that we live it now. Give us grace. Give us grace to handle any differences that might come up in the body of Christ biblically, discerningly, charitably, humbly, and confidently. Lord, that is our prayer. Thanks again for the time we could have today. We pray your grace. My friends here today, as we're closing out this service, I want to thank you for your attentiveness. I want to close out the same way that we started this discussion, and that is with prayer. My friends sitting there today, would you pray God's grace that you would handle differences in the body of Christ biblically? Right there, would you pray that? Again, there may be some here today that have never come to Jesus Christ in saving faith. We're going to close out this service in just a minute, and you may have questions. Understandably so. Questions about your eternal destiny. Questions about this God. Questions about the love of Christ. My friend, if you have any of those questions, in just a minute we're going to close out this service. There will be some very kind friends standing over here to my right, your left, that would love to take God's word and show you more about a relationship you can have with Jesus Christ. My friend, don't get in your car without talking, without interacting with these truths. Father, we thank you so much for the time we could spend in your word today. Now we, we praise you, God, for what you've done to save our souls, that we would forgive as you forgave us, and Father, as we close out with this anthem of praise, this song, Jesus, thank you, once your enemy, now sitting, seated at your table, I pray that you please give us grace as we sing this song. Thanks again for the time we could spend together gathering. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.